0: Wallace to his left, and he's on his way. Ten, nine, five, three, cut down.
1: Wonderful try. We have a mole, Jim. Digs
0: like a demented mole there. He just busts through the defence. Just watch this. Splendid, beautifully. In go the Irish for us. This is Lennon. bursting in. Back to Bradley,
1: back to Cannon, the drop of goal is over! Michael Cannon has done it!
2: Good evening and welcome to the Molecast. Good evening. Good evening. Munster's biggest win in, let's say 12 years, since their last trophy win in 2011 against Leinster. Came against Leinster at the weekend with a O'Gara-esque drop goal and wheel away from uh, and finger wag and finger wag from the man who would be king, Jack Crowley. Jack Crowley showed huge, huge wavos to nick the game at the end of the uh, which I think is probably from a Leinster output, a Leinster outlook. The biggest plus of it is that this guy has huge balls. But uh, tell me what else about Munster you were impressed by. Well, I, I agree. I thought they played
3: their best game, not just of the season, but in a, in a long time. Um, I, was, I was trying to go through my memory and see, I think of other big games that they've had. They did a very good...
0: Beat uh, Toulon. Yeah. But Conway's try. Yeah. That's a great win. Now really it was good one. Now he's
3: at home. They had a very big win over Toulouse team uh, again in Tolman in, a I think, a Heineken Cup quarterfinal. And then they, they might have scored 50 points or something. Um. But yeah, this was uh, yeah, this was away from home and, and uh, really you know really, really strong performance. Like you're picking out players uh, Crowley was uh, there stole, stole the headlines and played well throughout, but like a lot of Munster players played well. Um, like Stephen Archer played really well. Um, uh, John Hardner played well. Um Roy Scanlon played well when he came on. I've always been a fan of Scanlon. I have to say. Mike Haley played well. So there was a, there was performers in every unit, you know, front row, second row, back row, half back centers, and and back three. And uh, a lot of ball in play. I think Murray Kinsella said it was around 43 and a half, 44 minutes or something like that. And
0: um and an exciting game. And I I thought Hodnett uh, to name all the names on the Munster team. I thought Hodnett played well. I thought it was maybe a, like a sliding doors moment for for Will Connors. Will Connors looked like he was sparked before he hit the ground in the first minute, and Hodnett's played very well, but I would have had Will Connors ahead of him given international experience, given his point of difference as such a good defender, but Hod- Hodnett's played really well, and now Hodnett has the opportunity to play in a final uh, get himself in a in a training squad with Ireland over the summer and maybe go to the World Cup because there's there's no other open side after Josh van der Fleer. Um, and while he wasn't the only one, that's the most immediate one that springs to mind, uh, the fact that it was Crowley and not Healy, like if, if Healy had scored the drop kick and wheeled away, you would have thought to yourself, oh, Jesus, like this is... Not only are Leinster losing, but they're losing to a guy who's going to go and play for Scotland. So we've let the wrong one go. But it's kind of reassuring to see that that Crowley is is, is suggests that he's as good as you hoped he'd be three years ago, which isn't that long ago when he was playing under twenty. Like he, I thought he played very well against Glasgow. Thought he stayed square. Thought he varied his options well. Um. And then played well in a different way against uh, against Leinster. And, you know, as a young player, there's, there's got to be different matches down through your career where you get experience, you get confidence, you get the confidence of others. Um, and you get to understand like the tempo of a big game and all that. And like, you know, you, you can't do it. Without being provided with the opportunity, and then you can't grow without having done it. Like that, that's like good players play for good teams because 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 the good teams have the good players playing for them.
3: I thought Crowley uh, like through throughout the end part of the season, Ben Healy's really taken taken his chance and had to earn that starting position. I actually didn't think he was he was playing that well uh, before he he got injured he made a couple of poor decisions, one close to his own line when he sort of half sidestepped at like zero miles an hour and managed to walk straight into a Harry Byrne tackle. And another time chasing back a kick did something similar. Um, and he went off very early, like around ha- half an hour in um, is my memory of it, which was <laughs> potentially unreliable. Um, but I thought that Crowley really uh, grasped the reins and and um, took control of that uh, monster backline performance, which was which was you know a really uh, impressive attack mix between. Well, I'd said backline performance, but I mean as well, Ford's been used in the backline as runners and as dummyers and as as options and as decoys. As uh, so that was very impressive.
2: So, I have a question. Shouldn't Munster have won this game by more? Like, considering, if you, if you will, Leinster's indiscipline, the fact that they turned the ball over the line loads of times and they kept on turning down kicks at goal, and the same with Leinster at the end. Why did both teams not listen to the Molecast last week and take their fucking points? Could, could they have won it by more? Yes. But bear
3: in mind, Leinster had a, a, a seeming try call back from out the Ryan Baird runaway. Uh, for a ball that uh, touched uh, Tommy O'Brien's hands on the way down from Peter O'Brien's tap back, which is, which is very unfortunate for for Leinster. They also had another runaway, Tommy O'Brien. I hadn't realized that we were, I was at the wrong end of the pitch to see quite how close it had been in that uh, he chased a kick and made a great chase and himself and Mike Kelly came together near the post and the ball actually bounced up and hit Tommy's hand just over the... Uh, just so he was—he was actually over the, the try line at that stage, and I only—I only, I only realised how close it had been on on the rewatch. So, um, like those would have been two sort of ternure versus Clontarf moments, you know, two runaway tries, which can happen uh, and and would have changed uh, this the shape of the game. Munster made more chances inside the twenty-two. And you had, you know, Deegan at one, Ronan Keller at another with strips. And I think there might have even been a third strip in the 22. Um, so, you know, it's sort of, I guess that was what I'm saying is those things sort of even themselves out. As different as they were, they are both try scoring or all four were try scoring chances.
2: It doesn't address the not taking their points thing. Well, they had you- so many penalties uh, on offer to them and they could have three, six, nine. Throughout the second half I moved, I, moved out, of, out of sight.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know. I was, e- I was reading somebody's... I think Bernard Jackman had an article yesterday I was reading. I was on the way to the uh, to the dentist and I was... Re- yeah, I was in the dentist office and I was reading the article saying that Lens are going to have to go for the corner early on. And those sort of things... Like r- rugby is more of an art than a science. Like what I say about selection and uh, fucking a whole other things that a real broken record on that. Um, if if kicks are very kickable, and like you know, there's a lot of you know when you have a good goal kicker, there's kicks which you're looking at, and you're basically this is a hundred percent on three points. You know, if you're close to the sticks inside the twenty-two, and you're going, you're especially early in the match, you're not going to look back and go. Oh, seven minutes in, we should have taken that fucking option to kick the ball thirty meters sideways into touch. You don't look back on that with any sort of regret. You know, most of the time, you you think to yourself, like, certainly I wouldn't. Like, I I wouldn't look back at a chance. Oh, they could have. Like, if you're close to the touchline, yeah, by all means, it's a difficult to place kick, kick kick down
2: the line. But if it's an easy, if it's a gimme kick, but like take the points end game of that mismanagement by Leinster kick to the corner instead of taking a minute off the clock and either putting the game beyond reach or making Munster kick the ball back to you? Well,
3: not ne- not necessarily beyond reach. If you think of Munster, how they did s- storm down the pitch and if they'd known that they had to score a try rod and just get three points. Uh, but yeah, it would have given Leicester a stronger position all right.
0: Maybe they didn't expect to get as many penalties as they got and they must have said to themselves beforehand that they needed to score tries to win um i i certainly look at the stats not just this match but generally of tournament play and go it's the team that scores the most penalties is the one that wins uh you can often time, like rarely it's a situation where generally the team that scores the most penalties scores the most tries but you can have like games where it's one try all two tries all it's the team that scores the most penalties wins and in in bigger matches like in in tournaments in the world cup that's the way it breaks down and has done over the last number of tournaments so i i know where the conversation about needing to score tries comes from <clears throat> but i don't i don't know if it's grounded in i think it's grounded more in emotion than in what actually happens what did you think about Leinster's selection?
3: Yeah, well, I, I thought when I saw that it was very close to the team I would have picked, but I would have picked uh, a stronger bench. Um, but then, you know, I was thinking that Leo Cullen would have been watching uh, Glasgow versus Munster in the quarterfinal and thought that would have been a would have made up his mind from about his selection with regards to having a European Cup final the following weekend. You know, you cannot predict injuries. You cannot predict uh, bans. So you have a situation where Munster, in a in a quarterfinal, lost four players to failed HIAs, and had two other players uh, come off early with injured arms, injured shoulder, injured elbow. Um, and if you walk into, uh, if you fail a HIA one week, I think there's some specific way in which a pro player can get past that and play the same week but it's very rare and there's three there's three sets of tests there's the day there's a the following one and then there's a third stage so I think if you if you lose say if you lose like three players like if you lose like say you lose James Ryan Keelan Darris and Gary Ringrose before the uh, in the, the week before a European Cup final You'd be fucking kicking yourself. And you know what can happen. Like Will Connors in the first his first carry of the game gets clocked, goes out cold, you know, and was it's a significantly long break and play, stretchered off. And you're going like Jesus, like this kind of th- there is no there is no logic to it. And um He was high tackled. No, no, but but yeah, he was high tackled. Well hundred percent but but there's no logic to who it happened to or what's it's not like oh, Will Connors is has played a long season. He's gonna be you know fatigued, and that can add to injury uh, likelihood. No, like Will Connors has has you know is a well rested player who's only on about three hundred minutes, and it's just gone. So, uh, like I I thought that Leo Cullen picked very close to the right team. Could have could have done with more troops on the on the on the bench. Uh, and you know, when you look at the match, like it's very close to being right. Like you only have to win. You don't have to. You don't have to win by any margin. So uh, I thought he made the right call. Like it's like in Leinster certainly, and and it will be the same in Munster or Ulster or any of the Irish provinces. The one they want to win is the European Cup.
0: And I guess if you're if you're Leinster, you scenario plan this from the outset of the season. You set yourself priorities. And I'd imagine what what would be for me is we need to qualify for Europe first. That's the first one. Just make sure you get re-elected. And then thereafter, you're looking at we want to win the Heineken Cup, we want to win the league. And then thereafter, you're looking at we want to play at home in as many knockout matches as we can in the Heineken Cup. We want to play at home as many matches as we can in the league. And that determines... The approach that you take. And then when you're looking at the the week of the final, you're saying say if you if you're in the final, if you're in the knockout stages of both, if you've got a like a final of the Heineken Cup the week before it, you're going, How are we going to approach this in terms of periodization? There's the risk of your players, but there's also just like, you know, how, how physically, how do you get the guys up for it? Like, are you physically trying to get them up for one match one week and then another match the following week? Or would you rather be able, like, are you rather getting them up for one match and giving them the best opportunity to do that? And I presume that's, uh, that consideration was made. And then you're sort of looking at your squad and you're going, okay, if we're going to get to this situation, and it's sort of talked about this, Indirectly with Leinster is that they've had so much experience of this, really, like getting to the business end of seasons, uh, playing in, and they really are the business end of seasons because it's all knockout. Like it, it's it's a complete another league, and that there's there's not much jeopardy in the first round of the Heineken Cup. Like you can't lose matches. Like Leinster lost twenty eight nil to Montpellier on that on that COVID match last season, and still got to the final. And it wouldn't have made any difference. The final was always going to be a Marseille, you know, so those that 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 their squad is built to play a season like they play it. Um and I don't know if it put to rest, but I was I was kind of curious as to some of the media commentary about, oh, maybe Leinster squad isn't as good as people say it is. And you're there going, I don't know anybody that says that Leinster's third and fourth choice players are world beaters or even considers it. Like when you're looking at, just, just by nature, like the fact that guys are third and fourth choice, you know, that speaks volumes enough. And then when you look at how good the first choice guys are and the fact that predominantly they're internationals, there is quite a steep drop-off there. So, like, I think the obvious one for me is Nick McCarthy passing the ball to Clarkson. Uh, Nick McCarthy's a guy who has played a lot of pro minutes over the last few seasons. Not a lot of pro minutes, but, like, you know, has played a good sort of average minute. He's not an AAL player. Clarkson's played most of his rugby for Trinity, and you know, he just he chose the wrong run and between them, the execution was poor and that that was a turnover that just didn't need to be made from Leinster's point of view. So even in like how they manage that, that decision making is poor, the execution was poor and you know, given Leinster were winning at that stage and just, just giving the ball away in the opposition 22 against a team that, that can attack like Munster is stupid. Um... No other way to put it, really. Um, from perspective of Irish rugby, I think it's good. Um fact, like Leinster's it. been carrying Irish rugby for, I don't know, five, six, ten years. Um, if you look at the, the composition of the squad, you look at the composition of the team, and now there's more active... Compos- now there's more active competition for places. Um, and... There'd be guys coming in from outside of the Leinster camp into the Irish camp with a lot of confidence, which is which is great. And have that experience of winning. Uh we talked about it briefly, like that, that Irish style, as the South Africans refer to it. And you kind of go, Jesus, like that, that's an incredible sea change from Again, like when we were kids growing up watching rugby or when we were sort of even watching South Africa re-emerge into... Like, they didn't consider Ireland. Like, Ireland wasn't on their map. And now South Africans are so into it that they're, they're, they're curious about it. But they've identified an Irish style. Like, they will examine the Irish game. They'll look at how the Irish team play, Like, that high ball and play, the high keep ball, the phases. Um, very disciplined. You know, not many penalties. Very technically adept at yeah. resourcing sophisticated sophisticated you know not not superbly athletic but but fit you know um and like that works so now you've got now you've got two teams who are playing like that pretty much one through fifteen who are all Irish qualified and to be honest you got three like Connacht are playing like that as well.
2: That's where the comment about the Irish style that I brought up to you in the aftermath of the match was I was watching the uh DHL Stormers against Connacht in a, such a like such a spirited performance by Connacht who are definitively outgunned by that uh, Stormers team. And uh, the commentators are saying, of course they play the oldish style. You know, basically saying like Connacht have had 58% or 68% possession or something like that. And like the Stormers were pouncing on... Yeah, living on scraps. Living on scraps, but then also able to just like wipe you out. One man beats one guy and then accelerates into space and then there's three guys who are faster than any player on your team right yeah. beside him waiting to, waiting to pick up offloads. Um, and that's the, uh, that's not just the stormers wake because they also have, uh, yeah. who's off. just, he's one of those players who I, I obviously I didn't watch him play for the Stormers before the stormers played in our league. You only ever saw him in test rugby and you're thinking he just looks like a big schoolboy. And then you see Irish schoolboy. Then you see him play and at club level, in the same way that I, rem- I made a remark about Snyman, you know, finally seeing him get to play after so many times, so much time out. Just the level of physique that they have and the energy they have to be at every, in the action all the time. Um, so yeah, the the Connacht, the other th- the other good thing about Irish rugby this weekend, Connacht. Um, Steel and style.
3: Yeah, fascinating. I I thought it was a fascinating game. You know, the Stormers got off to a slow start. Um, some really, I, I'm not sure if they uh, underrated Connacht or or sometimes you just get off to a bad start. Maybe you're thinking too much. Um, but there's some really poor handling errors from good players in the Stormers, Vanemsen and, and Labak especially. But Connacht had a had a really young. Know, Got off to the races very quickly and play uh, played the way the Connacht have ended the season, you know, with a lot of brio, and you know they were out going Milan, Some Milan, no shortage of Milan. Uh, they were, Donald you know, <laughs> they were going, you know, both in terms of physique, um, like the Stormers front row with with Kits off and and, and is pretty enormous, and then also you know, Valenza and Le Bock with their, oh, geez, like they they have, oh, I'm such a fan of Le Bock. Um Like he's, uh, I said to, to you while we were, we were watching the second half of the game in, in the uh, Lansdowne Road and saying like, Le Bock is almost like a Damien McKenzie type player. Like he's a, he's a p- real joy to watch. Just a joy to watch. He can do practically everything with the ball in hand. And lovely kicking game and loads of feints and everything. And then Villemsa is again so talented and he's got a load of like boisterous aggression when he when he runs. He has this huge handoff and he has a spin and everything like that. So you know, they're, a, they're a such a, a live team. But Connick did really well against him. Now they Connick sorta of, they sorta of, I wouldn't say self destructed, but they they did g- contribute to their own loss in a in a couple of areas, and like that's that's the nature of that's the nature of a semi final. Like you can have, you you can have like one or two players who are slightly off, and it makes a big impact on the game because everyone else, you know, so many players are so are playing like one of the best games of their season.
0: I think it'd be kind of remiss as well to skip over Frank Murphy's performance. I I was trying to find it because I was pretty sure that I'd written it down. I watched Frank Murphy referee perhaps two week, two weekends in a row, a number of seasons ago. I just I, I definitely thought it to myself that just, geez, he manages to ruin every game that he does. And um, Munster Leinster was a great game, but I thought he gave in a poor performance. I don't think
2: the referee should have been for Munster. I'll just say that much. Yeah. So, look, it is what it is. But I heard um, Schultzberger's referee in the final, so. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, to flip forward um, before we move on, how do you rate Munster's chances going down in Cape Town? They won there, whatever, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, whatever.
3: Yeah, not quite 50-50, more like, 45 55 or 40 60 um i think that like they they did win down there like it's not they'll take confidence from that but also on the, on that day LeBoc had a mare off the tee i think he he missed five out of seven kicks um and it'll be a very partisan crowd towards uh towards the stormers i think i read just before this I think Rory O'Connor was saying that the stadium, then in DHL, has been uh, has been sold out. Which
0: yeah, somebody is, said to me like the the tickets for whatever round it sells for is the equivalent of three euro seventy. Yeah, like you're not, it's not the same. You're not yeah. talking about like seventy quid a ticket. Yeah, Tennis in South Africa, okay, like you know, there's different amounts of money in terms of like what goes around, but like it's 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 aimed at actually getting people into the ground. Yeah, and. I'd be, I'd be with you. I'd be. Munster definitely have a chance because confidence, because the the experience of the franchise, like there is a belief that they, they they can win in in the organization. But like, go back to place kicking and go back to kicking to the corner and trying to score tries. The Stormers will go out and try to score tries. Oh, like, yeah. the, the Stormers are so potent, and you know, they'll be delighted not to have to travel 10,000 miles. They'll be delighted not to have to split up across, you know, three planes or two planes or whatever way it is that they, they get up to Europe on a sort of, a, I don't know, four, five, six times a year. So you, Stormer's got to be favourites for that one. Mm.
3: Yeah, I think there's an awful lot made of them celebrating about seeing Munster beat Leinster. I just think that's... Pretty obviously, they want to play at home.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna, gonna play in front of like you know forty thousand uh, Cape Townians uh, and like five hundred people from Munster. They're not gonna have to travel ten thousand miles, and they can stay in their own beds the night before, stay in whatever hotel they stay in, whatever way they do it. Um, like, I'd be delighted. Yeah. Referee blows for half time. The crowd didn't like that.
2: Questions must be asked if Leinster don't beat La Rochelle. Uh, Jamie Heaslip said it on the telly. What are the questions that must be asked of Leinster if they don't win the Heineken Cup?
0: Well, what are the questions that must be asked of Jamie Heaslip? So Jamie, th- this got on my tits because everything did after. He's <laughs> <listening laughs> yeah, not Monster. the only one, buddy. Um, but also because Jamie Heaslip was the ultimate. Mr. Process. And I think he still is the ultimate Mr. Process. Like, he's he's a guy who always... you got to trust in the process. So why is it outcome-driven? Like, wh- why did Leinster have... Like, why is it okay if Leinster win and it's not okay if Leinster lose? Like, and that depends what are questions. If there's questions that have to be asked, they have to be asked, regardless of what the result is, if you're Mr. Process, right? So, um, the, the questions I would have for Leinster is... As good as Stuart Lancaster has been for Leinster is that he finished second four Six Nations in a row for England. And do his team's, uh, I don't know, like approach big matches with a game plan for the opposition or do they play their own match? And I think that, that one is more for Leo Cullen. So really, my concern for Leinster is that Leinster's belief is that, that if they go out and play their own game well enough, they'll win. Whereas I look at La Rochelle, and I don't look at that much of La Rochelle, but I look at a lot of La Rochelle's one match. Like I looked, I looked at the final a few times. La Rochelle went out for a plan about how they were going to play Leinster. They had moves that were going to go and play Leinster. They knew how they were going to defend against Leinster, specifically specific players, specific approach to that. And they played the player, not the game. Um, whereas I, I feel Leinster played the game, not the player. So that would be, my question is, do Leinster play the player or the game? Do Leinster have an like a, a plan for La Rochelle? Have they broken down the game into phases the way they want to play it? Have they got a plan for how, who they want to attack? Have they got a plan for how they're going to stop certain players for La Rochelle? Have they got a plan of how they're going to take the game away from La Rochelle? And you know, we, we've we've talked about particularly Leicester's performance down in Tolman earlier, that they completely dismantled Munster. They had a complete game plan for how they wanted to play against them. Like their kicking game is very on point. They were able to vary it up and So, yeah, you have to point to that evidence and go that they do. Um, But looking at the the game against La Rochelle and the game against the Bulls last year, I I don't think Leinster planned particularly for either of those matches. And one of them was the Heineken Cup final.
3: Yeah, I agree with you on that. But I think this year they will have prepared and and have a more specific approach to this final. And I think that it'll largely, my feeling is that it'll largely revolve around keeping the ball in play. And that just doesn't mean running from everywhere. It's about just like keeping the ball on the pitch. There's, in like I was I was pointing to you earlier, the ball and play time between Ireland and France earlier this season was like 46 minutes or 45 and a half minutes. And in uh, the final last season, it was something like 34 minutes, 30 Um so there was an 11 minutes ball ball-and-play time difference between games, you know, eight months apart. And uh, that's not all to do with Ireland and Leinster. The world will be changed or brought in a series of decisions which came into place in, in January of this year about speeding up the game and uh, restricting the amount of time players had to chat about lineouts and what they were doing afterwards and, you know, fake injuries and things like that. And Ireland have taken advantage of that. So I think Ireland or Leinster will, will try and um'll try and uh, and play that way. I think another lesson they'll have taken from last season's final against La Rochelle is about and and not just the lesson, but they're in a better position than they were is with regards to use of the bench. So I think Leinster have turned it into this final with with a lot of players available. Um, and they'll have a stronger bench than they had last year when they had 21-year-old Joe McCarthy in his first season as a pro and and still in the academy at that stage. Uh, And then, um, you know, with Kieran Frawley on the bench, who we didn't use, Luke McGrath and Joe, we only used for five minutes each. So I think if you have, for example, Jason Jenkins and Ryan Baird and either Charlie Natai or Robbie Henshaw, you're not thinking to yourself, Oh, I don't really want to bring these guys on. You're you're thinking to yourself, Yeah, sorta of looking forward to getting these guys on. Not only are they very good players, very physical players, they also just change the shape of the pack for us and, and offer us and and will have we'll then offer La Rochelle a different picture to
0: contend with. I, I yeah, I looked again at last year's final and thought it the or wrote about it afterwards. Uh, to try to get catharsis on it, Larmer and Baird had been back the previous week for Leinster, but neither of them were picked on the bench. And at the at the time, you sort of go, "That's weird. Like, why why wouldn't you have Ryan Baird on the bench for twenty five minutes? Why wouldn't you have Jordan Larmor on the bench? Like, Jordan Larmor would score tries because at his at his best, he's he's undefended. He's really really difficult to defend because he's 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 giving you something that you just haven't faced." unless you've played against, like, Aaron or Cheslin Colby in the previous week. And another point to that is we went
3: into, Leinstein went into last year's final where it clearly unfit James Lowe. If you recall that James Lowe picked up an injury in the very last play, of the, the semi-final against Toulouse. And against Toulouse in that game, he had a bonanza, like 100 meters in carries. He had, like, scored two tries. And then in the final, he had like one carry for 0 meters like you couldn't run uh so we had uh we had a winger who was there to to kick the ball out of defense who we didn't even try to pass to so you're essentially t- attacking with 14 men including probably like you, probably your best or second best attacker is incapable of attacking and then you don't even have the correct sub on the bench when it's when it's becoming clear that it's you know it's not Working out from like we didn't even like I think had missed an awful lot of last season maybe three or four months. Yeah, yeah, he played very yeah. like they
0: only the two of them were just back the week before. But but we
3: had Frawley who you're we going like we had two two subs on the bench like in in Rossburn and Frawley who were I wouldn't say very similar but they're both inside backs and we had no outside back to bring on and and at that stage like when it when it became obvious that like we weren't we weren't. Gonna even try and get the ball to go. Never mind James Lowe as he regularly does coming and looking for it. You're going like you sort of hamstringing yourselves here a bit. So um I think that that's something to me which which I it's one of my main memories from that game is just like, oh Jesus, like this guy is is definitely still able to kick, but you can't run. So he's uh, now he's been running. Uh James Lowe has been running for two weeks, and I've quite a lot of experience in calf tears and that sort of stuff. So uh like if, if you if you can run, if you can jog on it on a calf, it means you're back. So like that's good news for an answer. very good news.
0: Really good news because low is an offloader. and I think like one of the things that two of the things that La Rochelle did particularly well in defense last year, She's done a number of things. They come off the line very quickly, and they swarm Sexton's uh, channel in particular. They really bombed out because Leinster play an awful lot through Sexton, and they competed extremely well at the breakdown. So, if you've got a situation like how do you how do you defend against a team that has really fast line speed? Like one of the ways you do is you take away the line. You look to offload the ball. You don't allow them to reset in defence. You don't give them a line to defend. Is like you attack the blind side and you offload the ball and offload the ball and LaRochelle are all in on that. Like LaRochelle, it's it's a gambler's team. Like it's a it's a it's a Ronan O'Gara <coughs> team. It's a clever all-in punt from like a, a wily gunslinger. But it's there. There was one there. There was one passage, and I think Lowe was involved in it with Sheehan, where Leinster offloaded the ball on the right hand side on the blind side. Mm in the first half, and they made buckets of metres, like, almost instantaneously, because, like, La Rochelle are just not set up to defend them. La have all got themselves... Like, if you get in behind them, they're running 10 yards your way. They're coming off the line hard, and they're setting themselves to come off the line hard in that 10 channel. That is the way they defend against Leinster. So, if you get in behind them, uh, you give yourself a great opportunity. So, le- like, Leinster have to have the the chutzpah to... And the daring, like to, to play like that, because like and La Rochelle aren't just a defensive bunch of counter punchers. Like they they attack very well. They use Skelton and Antonio in the middle of the pitch where they don't have to run side to side that much, and they use Rule and Lades as a as a double threat, Uh roving all over the place. But like playing as a combo. And they're quite prepared to use the width of the pitch. So either mm. they they play to the tram lines an awful lot, but they they play to the tram lines blind, haven't gone big up the middle with the big guys up the middle, or they play. To the tram lines going the same way. And they really stretch the pitch. Uh and like their first try was a great example like that. Their centres are very strong. Like Dante is a, is a Dante made a huge difference when he came back for France in the last match of the Six Nations. See, like he's a really strong player. Uh he's he's really good at the breakdown, but he's also a really good focal point. So, you know, that that approach is suits his suits his talents. Kerr Barlow's a like Kerr Barlow's a big strong bloke. He's he's not young either. Like he's he's not a whippet. He's he's a like, he's a big solid guy. Yeah. Um they've like they're they're
3: such a good team. Like
0: La Rochelle are a good team. They've got loads of good
3: players. You haven't mentioned Aldrich yet who's uh, I think their totem uh, mm. but then a like a player who I think and I can understand to a degree why he's not involved in France but Bucher is a super player. Yeah, yeah Booger, like,
0: really good, just a really good rugby player. Yeah, who can feel hard done by not being, like, a, like the fact is that Marchand and, and Malvaca are ahead of him. And when you see them play for France, you're going, well, you know, it's hard to argue with that. But but I, I don't think, I don't think there's much of a gap between one and three if Booger eats three. Mm. So like they are, they're a super team. This is their third Heineken Cup
3: final in a row. It's no accident. Um. But on, on the positive case of the ledger for Leinster is that, are uh, played La Rochelle twice and lost twice they lost pretty decisively in the first one by 9 points having been 16-32 uh, down after 78 minutes in the second time they played them the consecutive year to that last year uh, they lost by 3 having been 17 sorry it must have been 20 points to 17 up on 78 minutes
0: 21-17 up the last 24
3: sorry 20 yeah yeah so you know that's that, that that margin is down uh to three points in terms of uh La Rochelle's winning and losing of the game but like if you look at the game after 78 minutes it's very significantly different it's about it's about 20 points and that's one item and the second item is I think even more key it's like like Leinster have only played La Rochelle in France that makes a huge difference if if we only played Toulouse in France, um, Toulouse wouldn't be going on about the Leinster curse or anything like that. I haven't lost, I haven't been well beaten in three finals or three semi-finals rather in Dublin. Like home advantage and home advantage is, is a huge deal for uh, stadium atmosphere, for familiarity with your surroundings, familiarity with your build-up to a game. All of those things come into play. And uh, so I think that's, that's something which I put personally put a, a huge amount of... Um, not belief in, but I think it's a big, important factor.
0: It's set up to be a brilliant final.
2: Yeah, I can't... I uh, have no
0: idea how it's going to go down. No, nor me. No. Because uh, there, there, there's, there's great narrative to these teams already. And, like, Leinster went into those two matches away from home in France as the favourites. Like, people... Even given the result two years ago, people still thought Leinster would win last year. Like, I think they were quite big favorites last year. Like, I yeah. think possibly 10-point, 12-point favorite, 10-point anyway, favourite. So, like, it was... And and they haven't beaten La Rochelle. So, you've got to look at all those and you go, you don't know which way this is going to go. Um, La Rochelle have definitely... La Rochelle have got better. Um, yeah,
3: Hastoy is a big upgrade and AIO West.
0: IHEA West, uh, they're they're fully fit. Like Vito and Kerr Barlow weren't available last year. Vito's gone, but Kerr Barlow is Ker fish. Skelton was just back from injury and he was dodgy. Skelton is fit. Uni Antonio is there. Aldrich's there. Bruce Doolan was there well against Argentina. Like you, you know, you, you there, there's a level of familiarity with that La Rochelle team, and you know, Jesus, like these guys are really good now on the flip side of that um Leinster have a number of guys who since they played La Rochelle have beaten the All Blacks and won the Grand Slam and like these are these are serious hombres like these are these are big game players and it'll be very interesting how well those guys show up because big players show up in big games and, like, Leinster have a number of guys who are big players, like, and I think one of, one of the things that, that struck me last year about the, about the Leinster's approach to match was that they didn't take them on physically at all. And you're kind of going, well, like, why wouldn't you? Why would you? Like, why would you want to take them on? But I think when you play teams like the Springboks, I think when you play teams like La Rochelle, I think you have to take them on physically. Not all the time, but I think, like, there's... Like you have to get like you have to hit them before they hit you. That was a line I heard Murray Kinsler's podcast that Levy used, and oh, yeah, I fully agree with that. Like
1: you, you know, you're not
0: setting your stall out to do one thing for the entire game, but at different times, like you have to take them on, you have to ask them questions, you ha- you have to make them doubt. Um, and I think that's what it like, that's what I mean by game planning, like that that like whether it's certain positions on the pitch or whether it's certain times on the match, you, you need to have a plan about how you're going to approach it. You need, and you need to practice that. And you need to be very, very, very clear what it is. And it it doesn't have to be the same thing all mm. the way through. In fact, it shouldn't be the same thing all the way through. Like you, you want to discombobulate these guys. You want to put them off balance. You don't want to give them the same picture all the time. And that comes back to have Leinster practiced for this game or if they practice for the opposition because I think if they practice for the game I don't think they'll win I think if they practice for the opposition I think they will win so really as, as, as much as I bridled I think the timing of the questions it, it doesn't matter the questions aren't waiting to be asked after this match I think they are the questions and we'll see the answers on Saturday
1: your boat to England, baby Maybe to Spain Wherever I have gone Wherever I've been and gone Wherever I've gone The blues are the same Go bring me whiskey, baby Go bring me gin Me and Room Service, honey Me and Room Service Me and Room Service Well, we're living A life of sin When I'm not drinking, baby You are on my mind When I'm not sleeping When I'm not sleeping When I'm not sleeping Well, you know You'll find Try another city, baby, some other town Wherever I've gone, wherever I've been and gone Wherever I've gone, the blues run the game Well, maybe someday, baby, somewhere down the line I'll wake up older, honey, so much older. I'll wake up older and I'll just stop all my trying. Catch a boat to England, baby, maybe to Spain. Wherever I've gone, wherever I've been and gone, wherever I've